Once again, during the lockdown, the Coot Street Podcast is going to be having these short 10-minute conversations with some of our favorite people. And uh, today, I'm talking with Nalo Hopkinson, who is, among other things, I gather, rather overwhelmed right now with your teaching responsibilities. Oh, yes. Uh, we had maybe two weeks. We just finished. We hadn't even handed in grades yet for the uh-huh. previous um, quarter when we had to start figuring out how to turn our classes into online classes. And yikes. It's it is, but I, just generally, because you know, we chatted way back before you became a professor, um, given even the, 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 the challenges of the lockdown, isn't teaching a cool profession? Teaching is great, um, and I'm enjoying it. When I, when I started the job, I, I was afraid I wouldn't much enjoy it. I am enjoying it quite a bit. Um, so that's fine. It's just, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. <laughs> and yeah. And you're not teaching. You had, I know you'd taught workshops and things before, but, but these are not all students who want to know about science fiction and fantasy. These are all over the map. They are all over the map, though. They're starting to self-select. Um, nine years in, I think a lot of students are finally figuring out that I'm here and this is what I do. So uh-huh. I'm starting to get students who are at least interested in science fiction and fantasy. But yeah, I teach any kind of fiction. Okay, great. Well, speaking of fiction, one of the things we've been asking people is um, if you find time with all, I know you've got tons of grading and tons of preparation to do and the end of the semester is approaching, but do you have any time to read anything just for yourself? Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> not much. <laughs> okay. And, and the thing is that um, once reading became my job, uh, I was less able to choose what I want to read. Yeah. So really right now what I'm reading is more nonfiction. Uh, I'm reading things about how to do indoor hydroponic gardening now that we've all become indoor preppers. Uh, <laughs> well... And as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm actually making a kit for to grow some lettuce in. Actually, we've been doing something like that, too. We've got one of those weird light things. It's in our kitchen, and little seed pods go into it. It's yes, sort exactly. of like making triffids or something. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, really, the, the, the things that people are reading, somebody was telling Jonathan that they were reading Anthony Bourdain's book about cooking, so... A lot of people, I think, are turning to nonfiction. Uh, yeah, it's a kind of reality you can you can grasp, you can understand how things grow. Yes, exactly. Whereas what's happening out in the world is just near incomprehensible. Yeah, but you haven't been tempted to go back and read pandemic books or Last Man on Earth books or that sort of thing. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing is I'm watching a lot. I'm sort of binge watching. TV, and I'm finding that I go to the uh, stuff like Supernatural. It, it ain't rocket science, but those uh-huh. two guys like save the world every five episodes. So I think I'm finding a certain amount of comfort in just how over the top and how um, there is a weird comfort in it in sort of looking at pandemic through a, a fantasy lens. But I'm I also so. watching the the Murdoch Mysteries, a very very Canadian um, TV series. That is a historical mystery series with a detective on the Toronto Constabulary in the 19th century. It's got a lot of Toronto history, some of the weirdest Toronto history in it. Is, um, it, I yeah. guess, is that the 19th century or the 1920s? 
things they reference, I think it might be very late 19th century. Okay, I, I, I've seen one or two of them, and it's uh, and you're right, they're very well done. And they're actual mysteries. Uh, yes, yeah, they but, are actual mysteries and actual history. I mean, they, this history is sometimes changed up a bit, but it's gratifying to have stuff that I've researched for writing novels and stories show up and be able to say, oh, I know that, I know what that is. Right, well... <laughs> Well, you had a lot of Toronto history in your fiction. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> a lot more, and a lot more in my head. Well, apart from things that you might or might not be reading, uh, what would you suggest to people to be reading during a time like this? Because ah. you hear a lot of stuff online about, well, this is the time to read the big novel that you've always wanted to. And now I'm starting to see people saying that they're feeling guilty because they don't want to read something important. <laughs> No, no. I mean, but you, you still can. Yeah. Um, and the thing I would recommend is the um, the Decameron Project, started by Joe Walton, um, author Maya Chabra, and um, singer and fan Lauren Schiller. Uh, what I didn't realize about Boccaccio's Decameron was that it was written uh, in the 14th century during the Black Death. Right. And, and what's more, it's a series of stories uh, the, the frame story is that a, a bunch of people are hiding out from the plague in a villa and they're telling each other stories um, to pass the time. Um, and so these three folks came up with the lovely idea of what if we have a, a, a new Decameron and they've approached authors to write stories. They're releasing a story a day right. um, intended to go on as long as the pandemic does. Um, people can read the stories for free or they can donate a bit of money and any money that's donated gets split with the authors and um, with a, a, I think it's a refugee center in Italy. Oh, uh, Brilliant, brilliant idea. The stories are amazing. There's a new one every day. They have no connection to each other. Uh, Joe is writing kind of um, interstitial bits that, that link one story to the next, but... Mm -hmm. We were told to write whatever. So I have a story in there. Um, Harry Turtledove has a story in there. It's just, it's amazing. So that's what I'd recommend people read. That's a great, uh, it's a great project. And as you mentioned, it's, it's both a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser, but you don't have to contribute to read the stories. That's right. And so we'll link to that. Well, um, anything else that uh, you think was is, is, is good lockdown reading? If you had time, let me put it this way. If you had all the time and you didn't have all these papers in front of you, what would you be inclined to go read? I would be trying to decipher Boccaccio's Decameron because okay, <laughs> I went and looked at it and thought, oh, my God, I wish my dad was still alive. He could help. Um, I would um, I am still intend to finish uh, N.K. Jemison's How Long Till Black Future Month because uh -huh. Nora can write a sentence and I need to sit down and rethink my life choices and contemplate, <laughs> you know, how fiction works and just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful writing. So that's what I'd be going back to. And mm. since I'm still teaching, I've assigned stories that um, I enjoy. So uh, we are reading John Jennings and Damien Duffy's uh, graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower. I wanted to see that. I've not seen that yet. It's is good. Really? <laughs> yeah, they they, they caught me. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that would be really tough to. Well, maybe not. I guess I got, the visuals in it would be striking. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, 
we went back to some uh, tip tree. Uh, we read Houston, Houston, Can You Read? Mm-hmm. Which just was a trip as far as my students were concerned. They they expect stories to be straightforward and explain themselves as they go. <laughs> Tim Tree does not do that in that piece. No, <laughs> she doesn't. But one of the things, I guess I should say he doesn't, because clearly she wanted Tip Tree to be thought of as a guy at the time. That's true. But um, it was one of the things I found uh, teaching after having been reading science fiction my whole life is that you, you put a story like that, which every science fiction reader is in love with, in front of a group of general students, and some of them are just puzzled by it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you realize that, okay, there is a kind of code that we all read in sometimes when we grew up in this field. Exactly. Somebody uh, analyzed it in my class and all the ways in which it, it didn't work. And she was trying to figure out, well, how come this thing is published? How come did, is it just mm-hmm. that people read fiction differently way back then? <laughs> yeah. And I said, it won a bunch of awards, you know, one that was a reader award, one that was a juried award. Um, it's just a different way of reading. It's not so much the time period. It's that science fiction people are used to reading differently. Right. And I, I, I think, but I think it's important for us to learn from those students that this is the way a lot of people look at fiction. And sometimes I've learned things from students, I've, things I've never thought about. I tried one time teaching Asimov's Foundation Trilogy, at least the first volume of it, Foundation. Uh-huh. And uh, all, the, all the kind of intellectual, geeky science fiction students, uh, science fiction reader students loved it. There was one guy who was one of the brightest students in class said, this is full of interesting ideas, but do you realize that absolutely nothing ever happens in this novel at all? <laughs> It's only people talking about things that might happen. And he was absolutely right. I'd never thought about that. That might explain why I was never really able to get through Foundation. Exactly. <laughs> I kept trying because everybody loved it. It's a bunch of conversations. <laughs> well, anything, apart, apart, from, um, apart from the story you have in the Decameron Project, do you have anything out in the world that you'd like to call attention to or anything coming, coming out within the next several months or year? Both, and they are linked. So for the past two years, I have been writing um, and co-writing a comic set in Neil Gaiman's um, Sandman universe. Uh So Neil created a new house in The Dreaming. It's run by Erzuli, the the, um, African diasporic goddess of love. And I got to write that story. Um, It's been one issue a month for the past... Uh, two years. Um, and, and this is just titled, it's not just titled Sandman, it's got no. this. Up. Yeah, it's oh. titled House of Whispers, and okay. every six issues, um, DC Comics gathers it up into one graphic novel. So right. uh, you can buy it as a book with a spine, you know. Uh, and the first two collections of six issues are out. It's House of Whispers, uh, The Powers Divided. And House uh-huh. of Whispers, Anansi. Um, Anansi just came out in February. Um, I just handed in the very last issue, issue 22. The artist is still working on it. But uh, that's what I'm excited about right now. Cause I that got is to exciting. This new world and the dreaming. And some of your favorite characters are in there. But mostly it's Elzeli's story. And there'll be a third volume when the, the last series is collected, I gather. Third. Yes, there will, okay. yeah. Great, that is exciting. 
And what else? Ooh, that's in terms of what I have coming out. I think that's it. I'm hoping that once summer starts, for us it starts late. It starts in June. Um, yeah. Once the summer starts, I still have this novel that's been sitting there on my desktop. I like it. It's a good novel. I'm so <laughs> close to finishing it. <laughs> it's it's not another young adult, is it? No, no. It's an adult, very much adult. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's called Black Art Man, and I've been talking about it for probably eight years now. Um, and mm-hmm. it needs to get born, badly needs to get born. But I, I think I can do it now. I just I'm not I'm not teaching. Well, once you once you get done with teaching, I mean, maybe the maybe the best of all worlds is that you don't have to teach anymore, but you still have to stay home and write. Yeah. Damn. Wouldn't that be just <laughs> awful? <laughs> well, it's been uh, anyway, I, I we'll look forward to it. I was seeing uh, I don't know whether why this popped up. And the last couple of weeks I've seen on Twitter, a, a number of people seem to be discovering Brown Girl in the Ring for the first time. Is, is, has that been reprinted lately, or? It's not that. Um, it is now out in audio. I believe they redid ah, the audio of it, that would be it. with a new um, person voicing it, uh, Bani Turpini, I believe her name is, or Bani Turpin. Um, but also the film that it inspired, you can now see on Hulu. Oh, cool. Yeah. What's so, the title? It, the title is, I'm sorry, Gary, I keep cutting you off. No, I want to hear the title. <laughs> the title is Brown Girl Begins. The director and the person who conceived of the whole project and made it happen is um, Sharon Lewis. She is a, a, a Caribbean director from Toronto, like and like uh-huh. me from Toronto. Also, Like me, also a writer, but she's also a director. And she wanted to make this film when Brown Girl in the Ring first came out in 1998. Mm. Um, And that didn't happen, but she hung on to the idea for 18 years. Got training as a film director, the whole nine yards, and this is her first feature film. Great. And in fact, and and, and I think you're right, somebody who had both a kind of Caribbean and Toronto background that's an unusual combination. So you were lucky to find somebody who knows that. Yeah, yeah. And she approached me because uh, I've never been terribly enthusiastic about having my work made into film. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sharon hung on and she would not let this idea go. And she raised not a whole lot of funding, but enough to make it happen. Um, and it's out there. So I think that's part of the reason people are, are discovering, rediscovering Brown Girl in the Ring. Oh, good. I'm glad they are. Um, but we're past our time. But so, so thank you very much again. We've been talking uh, with Nalo Hopkinson. Again, this has been the Cood Street 10 Minutes With. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. Uh,